Who's on second? Who's on first? What base do you want to talk about? I'm going to get in a lot of trouble here. You play to win the game. We in here talking about practice. At home, they call me Big Al, and I hit dingers. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Come after me! They're comedians, they're sports fans, and all-around degenerates. It's the Who's On First podcast with your hosts, Matt Marin and Anthony Passaretti. I'm a man. I'm 40. What's up? Welcome to the Who's On First podcast, our first Who's On First podcast of the new year. We've been off for a little bit. We are back. A lot of stuff has happened. I'm excited to get into it. I'm Matt Marin, and I'm here with Anthony Pazzaretti. That's right. We, we, uh, I, I think one of our more memorable episodes was almost exactly a year ago uh, because all this week, every little um, tweet about Kobe put me straight back in our studio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember that that episode. I was like a little bit like because you asked me like, "Who's the last celebrity like you even felt anything for?" And then when I said it, you like made fun of me, and I was being earnest, and I like actually got my feelings hurt. <laughs> like, who, who was who was it that you said? Ryan from Jackass. <laughs> you asked me a question, I answered earnestly, and then you were like, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard." And I was like, oh, "That's when he died." <laughs> okay, but you even laughed when you said it. Now you realize. Yeah, I, that's I, a I dumb know. Well, that's why I'm. I'm it's not like I'm actually pissed or I wouldn't bring it yeah. up the show, but it is something that I like remembered. Like, oh yeah, I got my feelings slightly hurt. That would have been the that would have been the funniest split of a podcast duo ever. It's like we were we had a great run until Matt didn't have any respect for Ryan from Jackass. But it's it's been crazy. It doesn't feel like a year has gone by since that. Yeah, the Kobe thing. I was seeing something on ESPN where there were like a lot of players talking about Kobe. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but also it feels like an eternity ago because it was before COVID. Yeah, exactly. It just, but it, but it feels like there's been one nine hundred thousand hour long day since then. It feels yeah. like. And also, as far as sports death goes, especially baseball Hall of Famers, I can't think of a year that's had more uh, like legends of a sport die than the last. Since we last recorded, there's been like seven Hall of Famers to die. Yeah, like I, 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 I wish I had thought to put the list in front of me, but it's utterly absurd. I was thinking about this all week. Like, is it just going to be one of those things where like it seems like it's going to happen more often because there's more of them now that are like getting older? Like in Maybe. the 70s, there was like 12 celebrities and now there's yeah. like 12,000. So as yeah. you, like as we go forward is it just like right before we started recording i know this has nothing to do with sports but i just saw cloris leachman died she's like a yeah. legend of comedy and it's just like yeah. oh it just feels like this happens like every few days now you have to be like oh cloris leachman yeah. oh larry king and you could just kind of go back every few days and see with celebrities yes but with uh like baseball legends basketball like specific stars it's like Tommy Lasorda, Hank Aaron just now. And uh, for the Hall of Fame, I watched the Hall of Fame special on MLB Network. In the last year, the Hall of Famers we lost, it seemed like more or bigger names than I can ever remember in a year. Um, and I remember, I, yeah, I remember a few months ago when it was Tom Seaver and Bob Gibson, I think, were the two that were like really close. And on this show, I uh, challenged you to pick who you thought the third would be since it's usually rule of three. And uh, you got very squeamish and didn't want to predict one. And um, then uh, I think I jinxed it because anyone we could have predicted has died to this point. Yeah, but like literally all of them, like literally everybody over 90 has just been like dropping like flies. And it's not even like been like lots of people that are um, considered senior citizens have been, you know, having a hard time health wise 
recently. Yeah. And like, it doesn't even seem like it's that. It's just like, no, there's like a lot of old people in the baseball hall and they all kind of dropped. Yeah, there similarly. haven't been any that were specifically uh, related to COVID. Um, if you ask Aubrey Huff, Hank Aaron's was definitely related to the COVID vaccine. That, that shit is that shit's crazy that guy loves that guy is needs so like all why not just like hug his kids like get your attention <laughs> like fr- from your family like why do you yeah. need this like combative attention well, it was like, you, know, you know the well, one it, it is pretty funny two weeks ago because hank aaron got the vaccine and the day he got it there was the um article like hank aaron getting the vaccine in hopes that young black people will feel like it's safe and follow his lead and then two weeks later he dies it's kind of funny, but the day he dies, this legend of baseball, one of the greatest just people ever, and you're tweeting the conspiracy theory, like, let the body get cold first. That's why I think he's like, that's why I don't give him the credit as being anything other than I'm addicted to attention, because Jose Canseco, someone who is also crazy and controversial, like, manages to not do that stuff. Like, when yeah. he wants to be, when he when he feels like I want attention, like, he shits on A-Rod. Like, yes, that's exactly how you get attention. Yeah, and Kurt Schilling. Yeah, I I mean, Schilling's its own thing. Before we get too big into it, though, one of the the, the funniest thing, I know it's a weird way to start this, but the funniest thing that came from all those Hall of Famers dying was one of them, legendary legendary Dodgers pitcher Don Sutton. Yeah. Died on the same day that Biden got inaugurated. Yeah. So there was all these amazing like Twitter misunderstandings where someone from LA would tweet like, bye Don, thanks for everything you did for LA. And then someone would be like, oh. what did, what did that monster ever do for LA? And then they respond like, what are you talking about? He was an all-star four times. He brought us yeah. so many wins and they're like, I'm so fucking angry. Uh, that reminds <laughs> like, me of, um, I think we may have talked about it on the show when Garth Brooks did a concert in Detroit wearing a Barry Sanders Jersey. And yes. His fans flipped out because he's wearing a Sanders 20 jersey. They're like, you're supporting Bernie Sanders in 2020? I'll never listen to music again. It's ex- it's exactly that. It was a bunch of like 70-year-old people that like grew up in Brooklyn being like, bye, Don. Thanks for everything you did for us. <laughs> and all these pink-haired yeah. teenagers being like, fuck you. Not in LA, I think Don Sutton most of the time played with the Dodgers. He, they were already in LA by that point. Uh, either way, you know, but still, people that yeah. grew up in Brooklyn are Dodger fans for life. So yeah. people who want to be offended by something will find any. There was like one article where the uh, uh, some girl found a thing where a pitcher had three strikeouts and they had oh, they had KKK signs in the crowd. I mean, that's happened literally almost every single time that someone's had three strikeouts swinging. Like, I'm uh-huh. sure half the time, like, a pitcher is like, please get one looking. So, like, that yeah. fucking thing in the... Yeah. The thing but the idea like, that there's, like, an article <laughs> of someone writing, like, we need to change this because baseball is racist and it's racist. That's, yeah, that's just willful like, ignorance. That's just somebody looking for something to be mad at. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's that's, that's just as much trolling as anything else, I think. Yeah. Um, it's it's so, like reverse trolling. There was some video I was watching yesterday of some like woman that was playing video games on Twitch, and she like she tweeted it out like ninety nine percent of the time I block these people, and one percent of the time I do this. And it was a clip of her playing games, and someone in the chat goes, "What color is your underwear?" And she goes on like a three and a half minute lecture, being like, "You think you're joking, and you're not joking." But what she does, what she fails to understand, is her doing that speech is what the guy wanted. Like the whole time, she keeps being like, "What did you even expect to happen? Like, what did you want?" It's like, 
this exactly exactly what you're doing that's what that guy wanted like you're yeah. you're, you're you're buying into it right now like you you yeah. should have just 99% of the time you're right to just yeah. ignore it and block them <laughs> this yeah. time when you engaged that was what that guy fucking wanted yeah. and like it, it feels like i don't understand how people haven't understood this about trolling yet and that it comes from both sides the only yeah. the only way to combat it is to not engage it's just to be like yeah. okay <laughs> Because okay. as soon as you give the person what they want, they get to play the victim. And speaking of mm-hmm. people playing the victim, let's get to Kurt Schilling and the Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, my <laughs> God. The most I deserve to be... Like, Kurt Schilling is somebody that I'm never going to be able to speak objectively about, and I know that. So um, yeah. I, I will um, put that out there right away. Yes. I get um, that I have very big I did. Here. I did appreciate I watched up. Uh, so I guess for anyone who doesn't know, Baseball Hall of Fame vote came back uh, for the first time since 2013. The writers didn't vote anybody in. Uh, but because there were no winter meetings, there was no Veterans Committee. So for the first time since 1960, there won't be a Hall of Fame class. But because last year's Hall of Fame uh, ceremony didn't happen because of COVID, the people who were elected last year, Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, and Marvin Miller, will be inducted in the ceremony this year. And Kurt Schilling was the highest vote getter. He was at like 70% last year. Normally, if you're out there, you get in. He didn't get in this year. Some There's some conjecture as to whether or not some people just didn't want there to be new people getting in while the last year's ceremony hadn't happened yet because then these guys still have another year on the ballot. So it's not like they're off forever. Um, but either way, Schilling would be in the Hall of Fame if not for his personality. Yeah, and everything he ever... Yeah, everything he ever did and said, he's 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 an asshole. It's not yes, even like but there, it's are, a, there, there are it's assholes not even, in the Hall of Fame, one hundred percent. But but what what his big failing was 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 poor timing. He wasn't. He's one of the first very vocal assholes with social media. Yeah, exactly. Where everyone yeah. can hear you. And I know that like, if you talk to people, like I'm sure there, there's so many people who have said like, oh my God, if you heard like half the shit you're fair, I said it on this show. Like, that's why I think Scott Boris wants them all to shut up on Twitter and not do vlogs because he's had dinner with these people and he knows if they open their mouth, he loses like a hundred million dollars because they're yeah. fucking idiots. But well, yeah, and he's but the first person yeah. to not care and, and just keep going, just keep but saying shit. Yeah, and there is um, there's a couple of things at play here because there's one thing I, I've heard a lot, which I do that if he was this extreme left wing as opposed to right wing, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. I do agree, it probably wouldn't be as big of a deal. But I don't think it would have kept him out of the hall. I think it would get him exactly as much shit. So when you say like as, yeah. as left wing, like it, we, we, like he's getting on Twitter being like, I renounce my whiteness. I'm gonna like. I'm going to emulate myself at a statue no, of Christopher Columbus. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he just, uh, like he tweeted the thing, um, uh, picture of the guy wearing the shirt at one, um, Trump thing saying, uh, at a Trump rally, it was, um, uh, rope journalist, um, some assembly required. Oh yeah. See, like that's, that's yeah. like illegal. But if he, had, <laughs> like, you can't, yes. like... <laughs> but if he had said rope, if he was a liberal saying rope, Trump supporter, some assembly required, that would be kind of the equivalent of the left still would get shit for it. I don't think it would but, be as but, much. But that's also just as illegal. Like you'd get the same amount of a LMAOs and like, that's illegal. But at the end of the day, it's still illegal. So like he would have right. still but gotten in trouble. Also Dan Harron, who's a new favorite person on Twitter of mine, um, because Dan Harron was on the hall of fame ballot this year, got less than 5% of the vote. And um, so Kurt Schilling is now said he doesn't want to be on the ballot next year at all. 
Dan Harron was like, yeah, I don't want to be on either. I fell off the ballot and got less than 5%, but I'm off because I don't want to be off. They probably are boys. Diamondbacks. Well, well, uh, when Kurt Schilling, it was like a few years ago when he tweeted out the thing with the um, rope journalist, some assembly required, Dan Harron tweeted out, uh, ketchup socks, some assembly required. Oh, okay. So maybe not. (laughs) Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. They're definitely not boys. I forgot I fucking said that. Yeah. (laughs) That's fucking Um, hilarious. I love that so much. Fuck. It's it's to this day. It's just like, I know everybody, like everyone sort of thinks this kind of shit, but it's just, if if I ever got the opportunity to just fucking kick him in the ankle as hard as I could. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my Uh, God. But but I will also say when I've seen interviews of Kurt Schilling talking about baseball, I love him. Like he's got a great appreciation for baseball history. And also the bigger part of all this, I watched Stephen A. Smith on first take just went on a rant about how much he hates Kurt Schilling and how terrible he thinks he is. And he goes, but he is a hall of famer and I would vote for him if I had a vote to be in the hall of fame. And I think that is kind of, that's the way I feel. I don't necessarily, I don't know if I'd say I hate him as much as I'm not a fan of his Twitter personality. I think he's, because also, look, Mariano Rivera is a Trump supporter. He's 100%. been at the White House, and Mariano Rivera was elected unanimously by the writers. So it's not just right-wing, left-wing. It's that he's he's being provocative and antagonizing while being <laughs> right-wing. 100%. That's 100% what it is. If you, like, that's, that's the big split, is, like, there's a huge difference between, like, you know, voting for your own tax interest and like actively going out and telling millions of people to be assholes to other people. It's like, yeah. there's a huge difference. And he also and it's not like said Trevor Bauer and current players calling them entitled and cursing them out. Like what former player does that? Yeah, I actually, you know, publicly none of them, but I think a lot of them are, uh, I think a lot of them have that old, old style attitude. It's just many oh. of them are much smarter to not put that so in the public eye to not make just it. That that, you- a lot of them may even feel that way, but the way you deliver the message, like, isn't as abrasive and like, uh, like condescending and just like off putting. There's a way to well, say, well, and he's just wrong. He's just yeah. fucking wrong. Like at, at the end I of the don't day, think, but I don't think being wrong keeps you out of the hall of fame. I don't think somebody who has wrong opinions would have the trouble Kurt Schilling's having. It's because of how he like treats. Yeah. It's because of the antagonizing and the needling and the like over the top, like crudeness of it. Yeah. You are he, a, you're on ESPN. You shouldn't be sharing memes that are, that are making trans jokes. Even if like, it's kind of a whatever meme. If you're you are a professional to some degree, yeah, you're you're representing an entire organ, like a gigantic organization at that point. Yeah, and like, but but I think that like he he kind of went down the same thing as J.K. Rowling did. Just pick the wrong fucking hill to die on. Like you have you have an opinion that's like controversial, and you can like you say it. People come fucking back at you, and you have like two options in that moment as a public figure. You can either just start talking about something else and being like, oh shit, you know, this might hurt my image. Or you can just choose that like, this is the hill to die on and almost no hill is worth it. For her, it's trans people not, you know, being like there should be different rights for people who actually have periods than trans women. And for him, it was, uh, for him, it was the like, I should be allowed to like love 
love, love every single thing Trump does without getting shit for it. It's just the Although wrong I've hill never to seen die on. J- I've never seen J.K. Rowling go after people with venom the way Kurt Schilling does. Sure, like, so, is, but, but, I, but I just mean like he picked his hill and it was yes, the wrong but, one. But that's, I think you can pick the wrong hill and he wouldn't have the issues that he had. I think it's because he's like, retweet jk rowling has never tweeted a rope trans person some assembly required t-shirt like kurt schilling's gone to extremes i think there is a difference between having the wrong opinion quote-unquote wrong opinion and being as like crude and uh like vicious as he's been about it but also i do still think he's a hall of famer um i don't i don't think this would it really is the only issue, but also I wonder if it wasn't Mariano Rivera who was like this, would they not get voted in? Because Schilling's a Hall of Famer, but he's not the slam dunk Hall of Famer some other guys are. Yeah, no, he's like a valid candidate. Yeah, and but I'm saying if he was a slam dunk Hank Aaron who was being like this on Twitter, would he still not have enough votes? I think he'd probably be in at this point. It's kind of a um, a little bit like the Colin Kaepernick thing where – if if uh, Deshaun Watson or uh, Lamar Jackson did that, they probably would get another chance. Kaepernick was not bad enough that he shouldn't be in the NFL, but not good enough that it was worth over that it was worth uh, signing him. Yeah, no, that's probably a, I I like that comparison because that does it does feel a little bit specific to him. I for, I mean two things about that, Mariano Rivera is somebody that like, I will give him the benefit of the doubt because he's never done shit like that. On I don't know him. I've, I've never really, never really heard him talk about very much other besides like Panama cutters and you know, the, like, it, I don't know too much about like how he thinks about people, but I will, I do know exactly how much like charity and good shit he's done. Like, well, every- that's, I mean, Schilling also during his playing career, his whole his son is named Gehrig or was named Gehrig because, like, about ALS, he does so much uh, stuff for ALS research. Schilling's got like as a player, and when he talks about baseball, he's like one of the best representatives of the game that there is. The big difference, though, is you have to add in all that other stuff. Like the reason that I'm right. willing to give Rivera the benefit of the doubt that, like, all like, because like, there's you can, you know, an optimist or a cynic can hear a rich person gives a ton to charity, and one person thinks they want to give back, and the other person thinks they want tax write-offs. Right. So, like, you, you know, it, it, though that that in and of itself really isn't speaking to anybody's character. What I, I'm willing to give Rivera the benefit of the doubt that he's like a conservative so that he can have as much money as he can to like do his own interest, like to be like, you know, if I was to vote for the Democrats, I'd have less money to give to Panama. Like that to me is a valid train of thought for him. And it's just sort of unfortunate that I disagree with him in that way, because he's not going on Twitter being like, we got to fucking kick gay people out of the, like it, it, that's well, the split yeah. for, that well, that's yeah. the split for me is yeah. being- for me personally i don't think if somebody is on the opposite side of me politically that i necessarily think that they are a bad person so well, sure but sure but that's not that's sort of what i'm I was like i'm willing yeah, to like exactly. I'm understand where where he's where rivera like why he thinks that way right or where his motivations are i can see positive ones in in him yes. and it's because he's not on twitter being like we should kill people he's yeah. like never said would, anything yeah. like that i would rather hang out with somebody who is a cool trump supporter the sense trump supporter but they're cool and nice and generous 
than a far left wing person who's an asshole and vice versa, regardless of like the person who I agree with more, I can agree with you on all your politics, but if you're just like rude and a dick and then like, I don't want to hang out with you regardless. So yeah, well, I think do- shillings. But, uh, but the I crazy think thing, yeah. like Donald, but, but like, like you keep saying Trump's where I like, I'm willing to believe that he is conservative and this is the conservative representative for him right now. Like yeah. he's not like in love with how, that guy like behaves or speaks or anything like because yeah. i know that rivera like they visited a uh I, I know most of their world series were during clinton but they had one during george and they still went you know and it's like yeah. I, i'm willing to believe that he was just sort of like you know conservative voting conservative will net me the most yeah. money or and i want to use my money to He's also very religious, so maybe uh Yeah, religious. and there there could also be that too, which is just something again that like it's just unfortunate to know like it, it's just something that people have to start to reconcile is like the, these people are people. Like at yes. no point like are and they gods. The, like, yes, and the big thing is uh there is a morals clause in the Hall of Fame that was created in 1936 when they did the first Hall of Fame class. Part of the what makes someone a Hall of Famer, there is a morals clause. That was created by the commissioner, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, who fought to keep black people out of Major League Baseball. That's the person who created the morals clause. So, I mean, you know, there's, from the start, this whole thing is kind of uh, very arbitrary. But, I mean, so would you say that Kurt Schilling is a Hall of Famer? Yeah, on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Does he represent so, the game of baseball? But, but but at the same time, I think that that's the that's why he's not in is because the people that are voting are voting on two things: were you on the field right. and were you off the field? And the right. answer is yes and no. Yeah. But now the thing is, he said he doesn't want to be on the ballot next year for his last year of eligibility. He says he doesn't think he's a Hall of Famer, but if he is, he wants to be judged by the players the instead of the writers. Which, on one hand, I do. There's a lot of baseball writers I watch and listen to on TV. I like. But a lot of the baseball writers as a whole, I have this idea of them being very sanctimonious. And I would probably, if I'm a player, rather get voted in by the players than the baseball writers also. So, and to an extent, it's like, if they're not going to vote him in because of his off the field stuff, I kind of am like, I get why he says it, but also he is being a baby and playing the victim. 100%. Yeah, I, I agree kind of on both counts. The The tweeting like, I didn't want it anyway. It's like, oh no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's that's the worst thing you could have done yeah. just now. Like, because because that's something like Bonds has never done that. Yeah, Bonds has never gotten on Twitter and cried about not getting into the hall because yeah. he so knows that that would yeah. do nothing but hurt his case. Right. So that's kind of a good segue after Schilling. The next people on the list. I don't want to spend too much time on this because it gets talked about way too much. It's the steroid guys, Clemens, Bonds. For me, there's been cheating throughout the history of baseball. It's just we got to a point where our technological advancement and science was so good that the cheating got to a point where it really affected the outcome enough that it made more of a difference than spitballs and sign stealing and other stuff in the past had. So, but this is, you know, I think that what they did on the field is what they did on the field. We're not going to forget that they did steroids. People will know what happened. If Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Gary Sheffield, Manny Ramirez, all the guys in the Hall of Fame, they actually have testing now. It's a black eye on the sport of baseball because Players Association Commission, they all let it happen, knowingly let it happen. But at this point, they did what they did. This is what happened. If you watched it, you did watch it happen. If you want to not allow that to happen anymore, it's banned now. We do drug testing. But I say let them in and stop kind of clogging the ballot because you have people like Kenny Lofton, Jim Edmonds, 
um, I'm sure there's others that I can't think of right now, who dropped off the ballot because the ballots were so loaded with steroid guys that were just staying there forever that a lot of other guys didn't get their due because people stayed on the ballot longer than they should have. And it's done more damage with these baseball writers just having this fight. And I just let all the steroid guys in if they qualified to get in the Hall of Fame. And then let someone like Fred McGriff in who played during the steroid era. If Messina can get in, you could say he pitched during the steroid era. And you should also let hitters in who hit during the steroid era and would have been a Hall of Famer in any other era. I agree completely. <laughs> I, I, I 100% agree with that. I, I, you know, let him in and contextualize it. Just, just don't deny history. Don't deny your own history that these people yeah. were so incredible at this game because it wasn't in a way that made you look good. Yeah. It, 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 I, I agree completely. It, 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 they should be in there and they should be contextualized. Yeah. And I quick. love the baseball hall of fame too. And just like talking about the numbers comparisons, should this guy be in, should this guy not be in? And it's frustrating that every year for the last, like at least 10 years, the conversation isn't about whether someone's deserving to be in or not because of what they did on the field. It's about this other thing. And it's the same argument every year. And I'm kind of just done with it. I would also, we talked about it when we watched the Maguire and Sosa 30 for 30. I, I wish that it was just seen as a thing that happened and we accept it and we don't like scrutinize them so badly because then maybe if they get in the hall of fame, we're like, Hey, this happened. It is what it is. We can hear them do interviews where they talk about everything they did and we can actually learn all the truth about it. I would really like to see that. And I don't think Sammy's Zos is a bad guy. If he tells us everything he did. Nope. It was just part of the, part of the yeah. time. It was, it, I mean, like, it's sort of like going back and like trying to like, if somebody like, I, I, I don't even know that like I was about to be like if somebody was to like insider trade before that was a lot like it's just yeah. sort of like if you do shit when it's time to do stuff it's so hard to go back and well, I also still yeah. will hold strong that any dumb piece of shit can get strong enough to hit the ball out of the park it's so much more than that of course yeah like like theoretically like if you were to just get served meatballs all day like any anyone Anyone with a good golf swing, just anyone with good core strength and good hip rotation can hit the ball out of the park. It's so fucking much more than that when you're like against yeah. a pitcher who has like 99 sinkers and shit. Of like course, it's, yeah. it's, it's so yeah. much more than just being able Any, to hit the ball right. out of the park. Anybody who has the idea that anybody could have taken steroids and done what Bond, Sosa, or McGuire did is completely incorrect. But also anybody who, has the, but anybody who has the idea that it didn't help them at all is also, you know, it did ha- like it. It did, uh, you know. The, the best comparison probably. I could give would be like if you were to like if you were playing poker, which is the only thing I know about anymore. Yeah. If you were playing poker and there were eight professionals at the table who sat down with a hundred thousand dollars in chips, and you put a fish, just some piece of dumb shit idiot, with ten million dollars at that table, they'll win some. It doesn't matter. You could have yeah. the eight best players ever with a hundred grand, yeah. and that guy has this. They're not going to win all the time. Those pros will figure out how to get that eight million to divide, and then there will be a table with seven pros with seven million dollars yeah. and one guy with nothing. And I truly feel that's how the baseball thing is. Like, if you were to just give the average person all of these advantages, at the end of the day, sure they might have more success than they would have because yeah. of this advantage. But unless they're also good, everyone's going to come and fucking get them anyway. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I agree. All right. So let's go through some, the list of some other of the Hall of Famers uh, that were on the ballot. So below kind of or outside of the steroid guys and Kurt Schilling, 
I did write down, though, for Kurt Schilling, I was looking up different numbers of guys. It's pretty insane. 300 strikeouts in the season three times. Only person other than Randy Johnson and Nolan Ryan to do that. Maybe the best postseason pitcher, one of the best postseason pitchers ever. Postseason record, 11 wins, two losses, 223 ERA, and a whip below one, meaning averaging giving up less than a base runner in an inning in all of his yeah. postseason play. Three World Series, a World Series MVP, 321 seasons. Uh, and of any player who's pitched 2,000 innings since the year 1900, no one has a better strikes-to-walk ratio than Kurt Schilling. I'm honestly surprised he's not in there just because of how many people just irrationally hate the fucking Yankees. And yeah, Yankee that's killer. true too. Yeah, like I'm surprised yeah. there aren't just enough writers who hate the Yankees to just be like, I yeah. don't, I don't care if he's a child molester. I'm going to put him yeah. in the hall because he won two World Series against New York. Yep. Uh, but yeah, numbers wise, not much of an argument there for him. Andrew Jones is an interesting one. He's on the ballot also. To me, Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer. It seems like there is a bit of a bias against uh, good defense. To me, Babe Ruth's not in the Hall of Fame for his defense. He was a Hall of Fame offensive player. Hall of Fame defensive players, I think, should get into. Andrew Jones, 10-time gold glover. The only outfielders who have Ken Griffey Jr. is a center fielder with 10. The only center fielder with more is Willie Mays. And Roberto Clemente has more also. That's kind of a class of your own. It's funny Roberto Clemente came up because right at the top of the show, I almost brought him up because like, obviously we weren't around, but like, could his death be the most comparable to Kobe Bryant's? He had yeah. more to do. Yeah. It was um, an it air, was aviation course. accent. Yeah. Accident. I think Roberto Clemente would probably, Roberto Clemente or Thurman Munson's. Thurman Munson. Yeah. yeah. But, but Thurman Munson was active and so was Clemente. I guess because yeah. Clemente, the big famous thing is they had to give him three errors turned into hits. Yeah, to make it 3,000 hits. Yeah, it, it's, you know, just as you brought it up again, I was thinking about yeah. that earlier. Like, Yeah, that might is be the most, the most co- comparable one. Because also, Thurman Munson was great in a legend as a Yankee, but he, I mean, he should be in the Hall of Fame also, but he's not, like, Clemente was to baseball what Kobe was to basketball. Munson wasn't quite at that level. Yeah, that's what, that's sort of like, like, he was important beyond the game. Like, yeah. he, he was... Yeah. Um, he was out there. It's so crazy. I, 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 I'm sorry to bring this up for the second time. It's just one of those things that's like not enough has happened this year to make that story feel real. Like that's yeah. sort of what makes crazy stuff feel real is just more shit happens. But it's just like that was so fucking out of nowhere. Yeah. I, I, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's fucking crazy. It really is. Um, it still doesn't feel like a real thing that happened. Yeah, it just the way it happened. So it's not like it'd be one thing if like all of a sudden, like he's like the next Lou Gehrig, like there was this like he got sick and there was like people like had time to sort of be like, oh, the yeah. fragility of life. It was just, just so fucking happy. Like yeah. it was just the last thing anyone was expecting to read. It's it's just yeah. I I think I just stop and think about it sometimes because it's, it's, it's not even I don't want to say like I didn't care about him, but. You know, if I'm being honest, he's not somebody I really gave a shit about. He was just a Wasn't very you, famous. He was yeah, a very he famous person on your team or that you rooted for. Yeah, it's not like I I ever had any emotional investment in who he was or what he did. But yeah. but the like rip away of it was just the most like 
it in a year where so much fucking collapsed that still to me holds out as the one where it's like as the reminder of like nothing is guaranteed yeah everything can be taken from you at a moment's notice like i think i've lost everything i I lost my fucking job my fucking friends passion every i have i have so little compared to what i had a year ago today and for some reason that still to me is the reminder that like it doesn't matter how good it is one day your helicopter is going to hit a fucking mountain if you're not (laughs) like and and you need to just be ready for that like you need to just be ready every day for the helicopter to fucking hit the mountain because it can happen it doesn't matter how good you are or how much you have going on it's like the it doesn't matter like if i don't know i think about it we're coming yeah we're coming back from a month off just to really bring everyone's mood down uh well (laughs) hey you know if if there was better shit to talk about, yeah, <laughs> it's not like well, it's, it's really- there is, we'll get there. We get to the Hall of Fame. So there's still football and basketball we got to get to. There's still you trading for uh, your Nets, trading for the fat ass James Harden. Well, James uh, was. Uh, it, it, I don't know if you you looked at him. It looks like he's a. Uh, that was like he like he was wearing a fat suit to get traded Apparently, out of Houston. Yeah, he looks good <laughs> now. But. Yeah, like he was he yeah. was just like I got to drink like twenty pounds of water before this first I game, guess. so they trade me. Yeah, <laughs> like, because he he's looks wearing better. a black jersey now, and black is slimming. I I suppose so, and I he's with yeah. his buddy Kevin, and uh, but here's the thing, I've watched. I wa- there's been 18 net games so far. Actually, I, as we're talking, they're playing the Atlanta Hawks for their 19th game. Yeah. But what they've told me by their play is that none of us should care about the regular season. We don't care if we're the first seed or the eighth seed. We're yeah. going to wander our way into the playoffs and then start trying then. So that's is what Ky- I'm going to start. Kyrie ba- is Kyrie back playing or is he still in Zoom chats with local politicians and saying he needs personal time off? Kyrie is doesn't give a fuck at all about the regular season, which is something that they like. If they signed him knowing that, then everything is going to plant. Then yeah. someone would have sat down with Steve Nash and been like, "Look, this guy's and and he's he's nuts. He's not gonna." don't expect him to do jack shit during the regular season. Sometimes he will score 50 points in a night during the regular season. And you can just take those as like, and you may still lose the game. Yeah. Even that, but you just, you just take those as fun days. We signed him to play in the playoffs and you know, we did that. We knew who he was. We signed him to play in the playoffs. And that's sort of what this team feels like. It sort of looks like they felt like they looked at the East and they were like, if we put together this roster of, of guys who don't give a fuck about the regular season, they're good enough where they'll make the sixth, seventh, eighth seed anyway. And then if they turn it on, they could potentially be like one of the highest scoring teams ever. Like the offensive power of those three guys put together on paper, it, it, it's, it's unmatchable almost. Like, it, but they have no defense. They don't give a fuck when they're playing together. Like I being a Nets fan is the most frustrating shit in the world. Beyond this, the next time the Nets have a first round pick that's theirs, I will be in my thirties. Yeah. And I am 26. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, yeah. That trade, if they don't get to or win the finals this year, next year, the year after it's a bust. They have to like be in the finals picture at least. It's better than last time when they fucking bet the exact same amount of money on fucking Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett and Darren Williams. This is much better than that. better Better than that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, 
okay, great. LeBron James is still around playing with Anthony Davis. Like, it's not like the West is like full of schlubs right now. Like you'd have to beat the Clippers or the Lakers or like even even somebody like the fucking Mavericks could could show up because they can play a cohesive team basketball. Even, like the Nets. Also, I'm not convinced that the Nets are good enough now in a seven game series to beat Milwaukee if Milwaukee's at their best. They don't play any goddamn fucking defense. What the Nets are going to have to do is win games 150 to 138, like yeah. all through the playoffs. And I mean, like, when you have KD, KD is still the best scorer maybe in the world, and he's one of the best players, maybe number two. Maybe number and he one can play defense. He doesn't yeah. necessarily – he's not like the number one defender of all time, but his defense is hardly – like he, you wouldn't look at him and say – yeah, you wouldn't look at him and say he's a bad defender like you would yeah. Harden. Right. Um, so, I mean, you're in a spot where you guys are contenders and you're still upset, but they're 10 and eight. So you're like, they're <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, like, we'll it's see. not like these complaints are coming out of nowhere. It's like if they yeah. were 16 and two and I'm sitting here being like, they can't play defense. You'd tell me to right. shut the fuck up. It's yeah. like they've lost three games to the fucking Cavaliers out of these eight. It's like, this is, yeah. this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so obviously if you listen to the show before, you know, we don't have much organization and when we're not changing that now. So let's jump back into baseball hall of fame, Billy Wagner <laughs> we'll yeah, all you know, over the place a little bit. Um, hey, f- I, follow the fun. That's, that's one of the go. most important laws of comedy. Follow the yeah. fun. Um, yeah, we covered Andrew Jones, 10 time hall of famer. And also not, he wasn't terrible offensively, 434 career homers, middle of the lineup for a brave team that was winning the division every year. And during his time in Atlanta, between the years 96 and 2007, only three players had a higher overall war wins above replacement. Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Chipper Jones. To me, he's one of the best players of a generation. I think I've said this on this show a couple times. It's like, I don't pretend to be one of those people that's like super reverent about like, this guy does he if he had 15 more rbis i'd let him in the yeah. hall but like i'm just not that guy so like yeah 100 he was a force to be reckoned with for a long time and you know i think he's like people start you you forget like what what the major league baseball is is a collection of the top 0.001% of the top 1% of the top 1%. So for someone to even just be relevant for 20 years, I feel like gets kind of undershadowed. Like, yeah. that's fucking incredible. You didn't have to fuck 20, fuck five. You're relevant for yeah. five years well, in Jones's, that environment yeah. of competitive. Like Second half of Jones's career is rough after his first 10 years. He doesn't have a great back 10 years of his career, but a 10 year hall of fame. I mean, there's that's when he put on pinstripes. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, there's, I think, uh, he had a long enough run that 11 year period, the 11 years with the Braves. Uh, my dad, big Yankees fan loves baseball. Doesn't necessarily know every player on every other team. I bring up Andrew Jones to him. He goes, Oh, he should be a hall of famer. I hated him. I hated facing it. Just, he knows the name of the guy because he hated facing him so much. Yeah. I mean, I like there's that's the split for me is where it's just like there are these people that like I remember their names because like they had long term success. Yeah. And there's also always the talk of big hall versus small hall. And I've said this before that uh, probably on this show in 1940, like five and 40, the Hall of Fame came out in 1936. They didn't have a vote every year. They would do it every few years. 
And then they had a year where no one got voted in in like the first 10 years because the writers were very reverent about only this. So they did a veterans committee and they put in like 10 or 12 different people from the 1800s. And they did it again the next year. And it wasn't all guys who had long, spectacular careers. Some of the guys were good for three years and won a couple championships. Like there, it was guys who were big and impactful and had a big impact on the game of baseball. So it's been a big, it's been a big hall since the forties. So I, whenever people are like, I'm a small hall guy, that's not what the hall of fame is. The hall of fame is for players of all levels that had of all levels of the top 1%, but they are like the guys who had a major impact and were the best of their generation. I'll go even, I'll go even further than that. I mean, best, best if, if someone has unprecedented success, no matter how short term it is, I think that they deserve to be recognized. For instance, if uh, somebody yeah. was to show up here from Japan as a pitcher, let's say, and what the team they joined won three World Series in the three years that they were there. They were the game one and game five starter of all three of those World Series and then fucked off back to Japan and never played another game in the MLB. That person should be in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame to me. So three years for you. What about someone like a Ron Guidry or Dwight Gooden, Mark Fidrich, like one-year wonders or a few-year wonders? Like One-year what- wonders out of a big career? Perhaps not. But if someone showed up so quickly and just Amy Winehouse it, like put out two records and they're both fucking perfect. And then died like not even died. Just like, just stopped. Just not, not stop. Like not kept going mediocrely. Just like I am perfect and I have stopped. I think that like that belongs. Like, I think it should just be more like just got Mark Fidrich was great and had injuries. Ron Guidry had injuries. Dwight Gooden had drug issues. I'm saying that like, I think that like context in the bigger, the bigger, part of it should be considered i'm what a about, big hall person yeah uh what about a roger maris yeah 100 percent. his career i mean i think there should be a place where people get things accomplishments i look at it as fame. a i look the at it plaque, as a museum of baseball yeah i think oh, no, that's the roger, difference oh there's stuff about i do too but there's roger maris uh like memorabilia pictures and everything in the hall of fame but the plaque in the room is specifically for people who had Hall of Fame careers. Sure, but but that sort of the split of it is like, okay, so what's the like? What are we doing? Like, is there a section in this museum of baseball that's like you're you're very special? And and what is the difference between being in in there and the like? All of it starts to feel a little too symbolic. I'm not great at like putting that kind of way. Like. I, I just think, I think that, like I think that's how you keep it meaning something special, and I still do think it does. But but I ultimately I actually think it should be a little bit more like um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is just sort of like if you are still being talked about like 30, 35 years later, yeah. regardless of like whether every one of your records was good or not, like people are still talking about your band. 35 years after you fucking were like touring and yeah, shit. There are, There's there are so one, many yeah. fucking bands. So are, like yeah. you're still talking about Roger Maris. Like how does that yeah. not make him part of the history of baseball? Yeah. There are one hit wonders in the rock and roll hall of fame. So. One, th- there's a lot of them like, yeah. but because, because it's just people just kept fucking, there's tons of bands that are considered really great all time bands that yeah. only have like three or four good songs. <laughs> you too. But um, <laughs> he, uh, they're in the rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah. Um, so yeah, next on my list, Billy Wagner, 
Um, retired when he was 39 years old. And if you look at like guys like Hoffman and Rivera, the other like closers of the era that are in the Hall of Fame, they pitched they were like years later into their 40s and got their save numbers up. Um, so Wagner has uh, like 900 something innings pitched. The other guys are all in the uh, thousands. But of anyone who's pitched more than 900 innings, no one has ever averaged giving up less than a base runner an inning except for Billy Wagner. Yeah. Uh, all time good. Strikeouts per nine innings, the highest of all time with over nine innings pitch, 11.9. Earned run average, 2.31. Second only to Mariano Rivera. Opposing batting average, 187. First all time. Um, I will say, I think a couple things will work in Billy Wagner's against him. One, the, uh, he didn't have as long of a career as uh, Rivera or Hoffman. Not much postseason success. Wasn't in the postseason much. Only pitched like it was like 11 innings. And oh, the Astros. Mets. <laughs> yeah, and the Astros. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. But it was pr- not a big sample size. Um, but he also pitched with multiple teams. It's like Trevor Hoffman didn't have much postseason success either, but he's a Padres legend. A lot of the other closers in the Hall of Fame, Raleigh Fingers, Dennis Eckersley, Bruce Suter, Mariano Rivera, all had like World Series postseason moments. Billy Wagner doesn't have that. But numbers-wise, he's one of the best closers and relief pitchers ever. Yeah, I, I agree with I like it. I I agree with everything you're saying. But uh, Dennis Ecker, when you said Dennis Eckersley in the Hall of Fame, it reminded me of something. Have you ever heard the Mike Birbiglia stand-up bit about the time he got booked to do stand-up at the Hall of Fame awards ceremony? I do remember hearing this. I don't remember. It's, but I know. I remember hearing the bit. Yeah. The big payoff of the bit, like there's a lot of like he's not supposed to be like it was a terrible yeah. booking and it was just yes. like a bad day for him and like. He tells this amazing story, but my favorite part of it was right before he's about to do stand-up, they bring up like a blind guy to like tell all these like inspirational stories about being yeah. blind. But Mike is backstage and they like don't tell him about this. Yeah. So when he gets brought on to do stand-up, as you would, the guy walking off the stage, you go to shake their hand. Yeah. As you're going on. So he puts his hand out and this blind guy just fucking walks right by him. But Mike thinks he just got like snubbed so he does yeah. 10 minutes of bombing stand-up and then goes and sits next to dennis eckersley on the stage and he looks at dennis and he's like can you believe that guy snubbed me and dennis looks him right in the eye and goes i don't know fuck him but dennis knew that guy was blind mike didn't know eckersley did and he's That's just like so i don't know funny. fuck him <laughs> dennis eckersley's awesome I, I fucking think about that story every time I hear his name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next up, Omar Vizquel. He was at about 50%, uh, 11-time gold glover. The only shortstop to have more is Ozzie Smith. Played the most games ever at shortstop, 2,700. Played till he was like 46. 2,877 hits, 400 steals. Um, I think that's a Hall of Fame. I do think longevity, you know, just because you played a bunch of games, if you weren't that good, okay, who cares? But playing that much, I mean – Playing that many games does mean something. I wouldn't say it makes you a Hall of Famer if you weren't also good, but he was a Hall of Fame defensive player. Wasn't a horrible offensive player, but just wasn't a very good offensive player. Yeah. Um, But also, um, uh, this I think his vote total went down like a percent or two because this offseason he was uh, arrested or like there's charges being brought up on him for domestic violence. Oh, no, who? Um, I, uh, his ex-wife is saying that uh, he... Wait, she, Omar Vizquel? Yeah, against Omar Vizquel. Turns out he was actually pretty good at hitting. 
He's he got to he, he didn't leave it all on the field. That's too yeah. bad for him. If only That's, he had, if only he was hitting on the field as well as he hit off the field. That's another one of those though, where it's just like Alleged, you, allegedly, allegedly. No, I know, but it's just another one of those where it's like, oh, you've heard this name for 25 years and you've only associated him with singles and stolen bases. Get ready to associate him with punching women. It's like, yeah. this is a completely new, like yeah. you, for 25 years, people had this like view of these people. And then like, yeah. oh, as as they're allowed to, they're going to start telling on themselves in a huge yeah. way. And it's going to be unpleasant for everybody to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, couple more I had here, Jeff Kent. I think he's a Hall of Famer. He's still on the ballot. All these people finish in the middle of the pack. Um, still on the ballot, but uh, uh, maybe still climbing their way up. Jeff Kent, most home runs ever for a second baseman. Won an MVP award. 20 homers and 100 RBIs in eight different seasons. No second baseman has done that more than five times. Um, he's looked at as being uh, like that he wasn't a uh, Hall of Famer defensively, but I he was never like a bad defender necessarily. Some of the defensive metrics don't work out in his favor. Um, it also kind of depends on what you're, if you're looking at defensive metrics, Andrew Jones is the number one defensive metrics. Say Andrew Jones is the number one outfielder, number one in defensive war all time. So yeah. with Jeff Ken, it says it's bad, but I'm not sure. I don't remember Jeff Ken making a bunch of errors. I don't know, man. Talking about all this feels like methadone when watching baseball's heroin. It's like, I just yeah. fucking want to get back to fucking watching baseball. It's like, I don't really give a fuck about the guys from 30 years ago. I just want to fucking play I do games. love talking about it. I love talking about Scott Rowland. He's methadone has saved I, some people's lives, man. Yeah. I think Scott I think Scott Rowland will eventually get in the Hall of Fame. Seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover, just behind Brooks Robinson and Mike Schmidt at third base. Uh, 70.1 war, which is pretty high. Generally, if you're above 60, 65, you get in. 70 war puts him ahead of Eddie Murray, Eddie, Ernie Banks, Andre Dawson, and Roberto Alomar, who's one of those. Because Scott Rowland's like a great defensive third baseman. He's also great offensively. Uh, his OPS plus for his career, 122. Same as Paul Molitor, the third baseman. Was he still on the active roster for the 2008 Phillies? No, WS. he was on he was on the Phillies in like the 90s and early 2000s. Went to the Cardinals, won a World Series with the 2006 Cardinals. Oh, okay, so he does have a ring. It's it, with a red and yes. white team. It's just not Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> um he did have similar uh similar to Larry Walker, but Larry Walker got in last year and the knock against him was he had a lot of years where he didn't play over 130 games cuz he always did kind of have injuries. Roland has that also, but Larry Walker got in last year. I think Roland will eventually get in also. Larry Walker, such a good MLB The Show card. Yes. So good. Larry and my Walker final one on list. here, another Colorado Rocky, Todd Helton. Yeah, who, tons, if you were watching baseball on the early hours, too, really good defensive first baseman. Between 2000 and 2004, his on-base percentage and OPS, uh, his, uh, oh no, his batting average was 349 for those five years. Number one in baseball. His OPS was only second to Barry Bonds during that time. And he's the only player ever to have uh, 315 batting average, 25 homers, 95 RBIs in each of his first seven seasons. Um, Also seems like a good dude. Yeah, good dude. He seems like a fun guy, a fun guy who like loves baseball, but also like loves his family. And I'm pretty sure he's Canadian. If not, he's like from such a northern part of the U.S. that they're still nice. (laughs) <laughs> no, he's um he played college quarterback at Tennessee. Are we still talking about Larry Walker? No, Todd Helton. Okay, I'm talking about Larry Walker right now. Oh, you yeah. froze Larry for a Walker, few seconds, Larry... and I tried to guess what you were still yeah. saying. 
Larry Walker's still, Larry Walker's Canadian. I tried to guess what you were still saying as you froze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I froze. Okay. I thought I was just talking about numbers. And you no, out. right right at the end of the Larry Walker thing, you kind of froze for a few seconds. And okay. then you started talking about something. And I was like, oh, yeah. And Larry Walker's a great guy yeah. trying to just roll with it. The people, will be, the people listening will know. I ran through all of Todd Helton's uh, accomplishments and Hall of Fame stats. The oh, Todd, Todd Helton's Hel- great, too. Yeah. The argument with Todd Helton is he played a course field. And Larry Walker had like years outside of Coors Field where he was really great with the Expos. Uh, Todd Helton doesn't have that. He played his whole career with Colorado. To me, it is a baseball park. It's a major league baseball park. You can't hold it against somebody for playing in a major league baseball park that you major league baseball created. The home yeah, run. Like you said, same. it was cool. Yeah, he said it was yeah. fine. Like yeah, it's like you fucking said it was cool. Like why not? Yeah. The 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 home runs count the same. The wins and losses count the same. The Hall of Fame's stats and credibility should count the same also you can't do that <laughs> and uh yeah no i'm with you I, I, and the hall of fame before we uh before we get into like the the bigger thing of the week though which i imagine is the big game i'll pretend we're a big enough podcast where it's illegal for us to call it what it is uh <laughs> the he, big uh, are you not allowed to call it the big game no you're allowed you have to call it the big game if you're oh, if you're not you allowed are, to like, call it the S U P E R B O W L. Really? No, it's like singing happy birthday on TV. It's fucking illegal. You can't do it. Wow. You you That's have to call insane. it the you have to call it the big game if you're on yeah. uh for for watching. So we're gonna we're before we discuss the big game, I do just want to bring up something that's like ESPN would have used to cover and I have been obsessed with, but you might not, this might not be on your radar. (laughs) ESPN used to cover hockey. I know that's not probably what you're mentioning. Something that they cover even less right now. Yeah. High stakes, no limit, Texas Hold'em poker. (laughs) If anybody is even remotely interested in poker, I am obsessed. It's become, since comedy became illegal, it's my life now. I, uh, there's two pros named Daniel Negreanu, who's one of the highest I, earning pros in poker I remember, history. I remember what I used to watch uh, Texas Hold'em poker on ESPN. I remember Daniel Negreanu. Daniel Negreanu was sort of at that time in like 2005, six, seven, when WSOP yeah. first broke, he was the pretty boy. He was like in his late twenties. He was like, yeah. I'm this Canadian. Yeah. Like I'm this, uh, he's now like the third highest earner in poker history. He's won like over yeah. $60 million wow. out of tournaments. And I, shit. Remember he's like, them, I remember Annie Duke, Chris Moneymaker. That was my dude. Chris Moneymaker is is a legend because Moneymaker got big online, is the reason online poker fucking blew up, is the reason TV poker blew up, and then walked away a winner. Most professional gamblers will hit that moment where it goes wrong, and then you kill yourself or you die drunk in Vegas. It's like one of the two things. Like That's what happened to Stuart Unger. The best card player ever got addicted to sports betting and hookers and shot himself like during the WSOP because that's just how it happens if you're a gambler you're doing if you're a professional gambler i've done the the research on this like if you're doing cocaine 24 hours a day gambling with money higher than like ten thousand dollars is more powerful in your brain than any coke that's ever been made so if that's just your life you're just doing coke until it goes wrong and then your head blows up regardless daniel negranu is this person there's another guy named doug polk doug is the new Negreanu. Doug is 28 years old. He's the best online heads-up player ever. 
he started all these YouTube channels to like teach me. I learned how to play poker from watching Doug Polk's YouTube. Daniel yeah. and Doug are in a $25,000 heads up challenge right now. Or not $1,000, 25,000 hands. They're going to play one-on-one 25,000 hands against each other and just see who's better because they've had rival they've been rivalries and all this different shit. We're on stage 33 of this. They've played 18 and a half thousand of the 25,000 hands right now. Doug Polk is up 525,000 hands of poker versus each other. No limit. Texas hold them. They're playing two games at once. So as you're playing, you're playing two hands at once one-on-one against each other. They're going to play 25,000 hands. The way the challenge worked was the loser. The person who's losing after halfway could call it be like, I don't want to lose any more money. So after 12 and a half thousand hands, they could be like, fuck it. I'm done. I don't think I'm going to make this money back. It's over. So after 12 and a half thousand hands, Doug Polk was up $1.1 million on Negreanu. As of this morning, Negreanu's cut the thing in half. Negreanu's only down 480,000 now. And Polk is furious. He's tanking. He's limping. Pots. I know if you don't know poker, not a lot of this makes sense, but basically now Negranu's recountered this strategy where they're both just letting the clock run out. Doug doesn't want Negranu to make up any more ground. And Negranu doesn't want like they're they're both just and now they're on Twitter calling each other pieces of shit. And like hundreds of people are watching these streams. And it's been, I'm literally obsessed with these two titans of the greatest poker is the greatest. I fucking love it so goddamn much. So, so I, I just needed to put that out there because ESPN, I don't watch ESPN anymore, but if yeah. anybody is even remotely interested in this, guess get this though. Now there's a website where you can bet on poker. You could bet on gambling. It's called pokershares.com. And I hope they start to sponsor us. You can start to bet day to day. I won I, I won $20 today betting on Negranu because he yeah. Negranu's on, on Twitter being like, Doug does not want to play anymore. Bet the under. Bet the yeah. under of money transferred every single time because Doug doesn't yeah. want to play anymore. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> That's wild. So, so, yeah, I'm, there's, uh, yeah, I won't get, I've got NHL TV. I've been watching hockey every night. Um, we don't, yeah, we haven't done an episode in a few weeks, so we don't have time to cover everything. Conor McGregor had a fight where he got knocked out, but we'll go right into football. We'll wrap things up. The big game, we're a big enough podcast. We can't say what it's actually called. Big game yeah. is coming up, and we haven't done a podcast since the playoffs started. It was a fun NFL playoffs. I have been watching two men sit in their basement play online poker with each other. I have seen <laughs> so little football. I so we'll just talk about I, the what Super I'm Bowl. really disappointed in. No, I what, what I'm very much disappointed in is uh, I I so wanted Buffalo to beat Kansas City. Yeah, Buffalo being in the Super Bowl would have been a fun story for Buffalo to be, be able to get there. They have a great future, though, but they may I mean, be... It fuck may just be Buffalo them, getting there. Yeah, it it would have been them, that... For, for me, it would have been that Buffalo had to play Brady. That's what would have made me oh, fucking think. okay. That yeah. would have made me... Like, they, they forever cannot even make the playoffs because of Tom Brady. They finally make the Super Bowl, and guess who's fucking here? It's yeah. Tom fucking Brady. That would have been well, so fucking funny to I me. I think... It is Tom Brady's in a class on his own now where he's not compared to other football players anymore. He's compared to the greats of other sports. Well, yeah. Or just, yeah. Like, like f- fuck sports. Just like being successful and shit. Just like I mean, just 10 Super Bowls. He's only the people like he's played 21 seasons. One, he was a backup. One, he was injured. 
he's played 19 full seasons, 10 Super Bowls. When he played, when Tom Brady plays a full season, more than half the time he goes to the Super Bowl. That's insane. He w- he's going to be the Wayne Gretzky of football. Yeah. His records won't be touched. He'll be talked about as the the legend of the game. He'll he be synonymous even, I mean, with success with the yes. game. He's the Wayne Gretzky of football, but that's also just how dominant Wayne Gretzky was, is that no one is the Wayne Gretzky of their sport. It's insane how much more Tony, dominant Gretzky was than everyone else. But yeah, I get be, what you, I get the comparison. Yeah, it'll sure. be Gretzky, Brady, Tony Hawk. Like he yes. entered Tiger Woods, like he enters the like, I was so good, I'm now synonymous with this sport. Yes. Um and uh, I have um, been extremely annoyed by anyone this week who's a Giants fan trying to chime in like, couldn't beat Eli twice. Just fucking It's still true. Up. It's still true. You no, can, nobody, Eli, nobody, no, can, nobody, can, nobody can ever say it again. It'll still no, no, be no. true that he won twice. Um, he lost to the Giants twice. I hate the quarterback quarterback. Even when people are saying it's Mahomes versus Brady, they don't play on the field versus each other at all. The way to okay, cool. Brady is the way so, to but, Brady is okay, but so the way to so, beat Tom Brady is to have a defense where you're rushing him. The Giants had a great defense. Eli had to score more than 17 points in two games. And he did it. It's both a times. team that beat Tom Brady, not Eli Manning. Two times, did it twice, and Brady recognized uh, that to the Eli point where did. he, the where Giants he, did. where he recognized that uh he wanted JPP on his team. A hundred percent. No, the Giants beat the Patriots twice, but anybody who's like Eli owns Brady, the quarterbacks don't play against each other. Yeah, it's 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 very easy to uh to be like that when uh it didn't it didn't happen. But they are sort of playing against each other in the sense that they're competing to see who could score the most points. Yeah, but there's they're not playing against the same defense though. They're the guys on the fly. Yeah, but but you're but you're but the, the point you're making here is flawed because you're saying like it would only count if Eli was also playing defense or if Brady was also playing defense. Not that's that just it's not tr- yes. that's just true of every football game that's ever been played. Yes, that's what that's the point I'm making is that the quarterbacks are the guys. So you the should fly. never compare quarterbacks then, or you can't compare their you can't compare their performances in one game because they're not playing the same defense. Then you should just you never compare. You can't. No, I'm just saying in basketball when there's a matchup between two players they're playing they're guarding each other in baseball it's a pitcher versus a hitter in football the matchup is cornerback versus receiver it's offensive line versus defensive line it's not quarterback versus quarterback they're the guys who are on the flyer and the poster to advertise the game because they're the biggest stars but that's not a matchup but it is in the sense that like it is you and the other guy who are facilitating offenses and it's almost it's, like, no, it's, it, no, it's more like it's it's more like playing like fucking like it's kind of like like the trading card game. Like it's playing fucking Magic the Gathering against somebody. Like you show up, like you have your deck and they have their deck, and you're the one in charge of the deck. They're in charge of their deck, and you're gonna fucking play your deck against their deck, and you're just it's, gonna. It's like two base, they're not gonna, two baseball it, teams playing against each other and saying it's Mike Trout versus Juan Soto. It's Mike Trout's team versus Juan Soto's team, but they don't. No, it's it's much it's much more comparable to saying it's Garrett Cole versus Verlander because they're the ones kind of controlling a, a big subsection of what's going on. It's on them. They're it's uh, it's much more like being a pitcher than a hitter. Being a quarterback is much more like being a pitcher than a hitter. Yes, but there is something to um, you can look at a pitcher. Jacob Degrom outpitches people who he loses to. 
Sure, it's it's another aspect of the game, but there's 50% of the game is on DeGrom and 50% yeah. is on nine other guys. Yeah, but it is. Uh, it but, but that's the same in football. 50% of the game is on the QB and 50% of the game is on nine but, other guys yes. at this stage. Same, it is the same way. If DeGrom and Verlander so they are should deserve off, the So they deserve the most fucking credit. So in those uh, two games, he deserves the most fucking credit for winning those two games. No, DeGrom and Verlander, it's the same thing. You are right, it is the same thing. When DeGrom faces and Verlander are facing off, I'm watching to see two great pitchers pitch. But just because one team wins and the other one doesn't, doesn't mean that that pitcher did better than the other pitcher. It does, though. It it, it does, kind of. Yeah, it does. It means you put your team in the opportunity to win. That's your fucking job as a starting pitcher. You can put your team, you can give your team the opportunity to win and they still don't win, though. Yeah, but but then you didn't give them a good enough opportunity. That shit lands back on you because you're one person carrying, you're You're carrying 50% of the fucking. Is it, Jacob of the fucking, yeah. is it Jacob deGrom's fault he went 10 and 9 in 2018 when he Not, gave up no runs like all year? Fault isn't the right word. 50% of the thing is on him. 50% of it is on a, look, a giant he, collection of other people. So when something goes wrong, you can fucking look at him and be like, did so if even if you do every like if you do your full 50 percent, 50 percent is a fucking failing grade it's a shit job to have being the pitcher yeah. or the quarterback it's like being the president when shit goes wrong it is your fucking fault when shit goes right it's everybody's fault like that's the position um, I, you fucking put yourself in i disagree completely because i don't think it's like being the president at all i think pitchers and quarterbacks get too much blame and too much credit when things go that, wrong, that's impossible. That's impossible, though. Like then, then they should just be like, no, not when, no, when everything goes right, the quarterbacks get too much credit, and when everything goes wrong, they get too much blame. Look at their individual play. Quarterback can have a great game, whereas defense also gave up fifty points. How do you blame the quarterback for the team losing that game? You don't blame them, but what you can do is look at them and be like, if you had scored one more time. We would have won because they are responsible for 50% of a picture that's made up of 50 people. 49% of people are responsible for the other half. One person is responsible for one. So you can always look at that one person who's trusted to carry so much of this weight and be like, and it sucks to be that person. I don't envy anybody in that position because it does suck, but that is the reality. There's yeah. Brady. Yeah. Is in those games against Giants, Eli Manning played better than Brady did. Brady didn't play terribly. Brady didn't but, play good but enough. But if he if he had, the, if he had thrown even up. one more touchdown, if he had if he had placed, that's the thing is yeah. like you can go back to it and you can put it on him because like sure you can look at like fucking Wes Welker dropping passes or you can look at somebody else, but like you can also look at him. It's like hey, if you had put the ball like six inches there, maybe Welker catches it. Like. So much of it is on him yeah. that to deflect it away from him just because you don't want to give the goofiest champion of all time his day <laughs> is That's ridiculous. That's not the reason I don't want to do it. I've al- I always have said quarterbacks get too much credit and too much blame. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys get so much on him that is never his fault. Tony Romo, it's being, I but did it's it. Being, it's and being I did the it. CEO. Taking that position is accepting the responsibility of having all that blame. The media you are the CEO. Made, the media has made it the CEO more than it actually is. You are a, the most integral position on the field, but it, the game doesn't entirely always ride or die with you. Because there are quarterbacks who have bad games and win Super Bowls. Peyton Manning's Super Bowl performances aren't particularly great, but he won. Sure. sure. That's But that's like, the, the, but he won. So he did everything he needed to do. He fulfilled his 50%. That's why it's such a fucking shit job. Because but you what can't you even need like, to do is different every single game. 
that, but so you need to keep adjusting to that. That's again, why it's an unenviable position to be in. Like everybody thinks that they want to be the fucking Mac. It's really fucking hard to be Bon Jovi when fucking everybody behind you is also Bon Jovi. Because if you guys suck, Bon Jovi sucks. And no one, no, none of those, if Richie Sambora doesn't, if somebody's like Bon Jovi sucks, like I'm sure Richie Sambora, the guitar player is like, oh, well, you know, that doesn't feel great, but it so, definitely feels fucking worse for John Bon Jovi, the guy getting Trent, told he did sucks. Trent, did Trent Dilfer perform better in his Super Bowl than some, like there's, do you think any time a quarterback wins a game versus a quarterback who loses the game, that that quarterback who won the game did a better job than the quarterback who lost the game no matter what? I'm sure that you can you can bring up lots of exceptions, but in in the, the the more objective, like larger reality of winning and losing, kind of, yeah, I completely disagree. Because yeah, it's, well, it's, well, no, yeah. we we we've had this disagreement yeah. before that I yeah. champion winning over literally everything. I I don't care that if like have you ever seen that video of the guy who won the gold medal in speed skating the year the Australians won the gold medal in speed skating? It's fucking incredible. This guy Scott something. He's like an Australian hero, and no, basically he wins the he wins the speed skating gold medal in the two thousand four um or the two thousand two rather Winter Olympics because the other three guys that are ahead of him crash into each other and eat shit into the yeah. wall and he was like 10 seconds behind and this motherfucker skates across the line bringing a gold medal home to australia and not a single goddamn person can tell me that that guy didn't win the gold medal i don't care yeah. that everybody else was significantly faster than him they crashed into each yeah. other and this motherfucker just skates across the line that guy is the gold medal yes, winner he and he won the- for he won for sure but do you think he is a better skater than the others i don't think that matters Okay. There's tons of better skaters who don't have a gold medal. And this guy, Scott, can be like, suck my fucking asshole. Look at my gold medal. I fucking have this. And you can't Um, take that from me. Yes. But when you're just just two people doing a sports show and you want to talk about who you think is better, I think you can say that they are. But I don't look at, I don't look at sports as, as to who's better. I only care about who wins. Yeah. Like the the rest of it is loser crap to me. It's like, oh, why are the most hits in 2000? I don't care. Did you win? Show me your trophy. Do you not have one? Oh no, yeah. you don't have one. Like right, that's com- just sort of how I look at people. Yeah, my computer's about to die, so let's do Super Bowl picks and get out of here. <laughs> uh, yo, damn, you don't have a charger or nothing? I do in the other room, but I don't want to make Dave have to edit something else. We've done too many edits this episode for him. All right, well, who do you have winning? Probably it's. I'm thinking Chiefs. I don't see how the Buccaneers can stop the Chiefs at this point because they're kind of a buzzsaw. But I also know never to bet against Brady. So my I'm pick kind is of up in the air. The over. The over? <laughs> That's my pick. What's yeah. my Super Bowl pick? The over. I, th- I think yeah. it's going to be a high-scoring game. Awesome. I think we will do another episode after the Super Bowl. Um, my schedule with um, running the Comedy Fight Club YouTube channel now, which you should all subscribe to. We also have a Patreon page that I've been running, patreon.com slash comedyfightclub, youtube.com slash comedyfightclub. My schedule's a lot busier. So I may not be able to do these every week, but we'll do another one soon. Uh, we have a yep. lot more to get into that we weren't because we've been off for a few weeks. Yep. Yeah. It's been, it's been a little while. And I'm also, you know, I, 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 um, most of the interaction I do is just screaming at my television. So <laughs> when I get to talk to another person, it's been a while since we got fired up arguing about winning. <laughs> well, I know, I know. It's, it's just a, it's just a fundamental difference in the way we see sports. Yeah. I hope it's entertaining for people. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm at Real Matt Marin on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Anthony Pass94. I'm going to delete my Twitter soon. 
right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Later.